Hi, this is Bishop E. James Logan, Senior Pastor of Christian Faith Fellowship Church in Zion, Illinois. Welcome to our podcast. I pray you'll be blessed by a fresh word from God every time you tune in. Amen. Well, bless you all this evening. As you can see, this is a different format than what you've seen before. And we're real excited about bringing this format to you. Prayerfully, we'll be able to do this regularly, but there are so many moving parts. But we're going to start tonight. And uh, what a blessing it is. So we're going to be talking about reconciliation, reconciliation with so many uh, divisions and separations going on in the world that is just demonic. We have been talking as a family, as you might know, uh, about how we can help relationships. And so that's what this particular setting is all about. It's about repairing relationships. So let's pray. Bow your heads with me. Father, we thank you for another opportunity to share your love, your will, your word, and your wisdom with your people. Let the anointing of the Holy Spirit destroy yokes. Set your people free, God, to love extravagantly like you love us. We are approaching resurrection season. May the love of God be resurrected in the lives of every believer and change their home, their family, their community, and the entire world. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, here's our foundational scripture, then I'll give you just uh, some basic ground rules for this particular format. This is the foundational scripture. This is out of God's words, translation, God's word to the nation. Second Corinthians 518 reads, God has done all this. He has restored our relationships with him through Christ and has given us the ministry of restoring relationships. Isn't that wonderful? It is our privilege as the church to help restore all relationships that we, that's just beautiful right there we have been given we have been given the responsibility and the anointing to restore all relationships that's god given that to the church so the first relationship that's restored is people to god through christ we are restored we're reconciled to god through christ and then afterward we are reconciled to one another. After Christ reconciles us to God, we now are anointed to reconcile one another to each other, to heal relationships on earth laterally. Now, because of this pandemic, it's caused all kinds of relationships to separate. It really has. Children in school, business, homes, even in the church. And so this is very, very crucial that we understand that we have, as the church, been given the responsibility to reconcile or repair relationships. So our family wants to help your family, your home, your community be reconciled. So Lexus is the youngest, she's our daughter, me and Pastor Deborah. Um, She is saved, she's unmarried, (laughs) amen. Um, And she was raised in the church, she's a PK. So she has a unique perspective about relationships 
that will help all of us. <clears throat> Excuse me. Cameron and Vicky, our son and daughter-in-law, if you don't like that in-law stuff. <clears throat> Excuse me. He'll edit all that out. Cameron and Vicky are our son and daughter-in-law. They're both PKs. They're a little bit older than Lexus. They've served in ministry. They've been married eight years. They also have a unique perspective about relationships. And we need to hear from them. We'll be blessed by them as well. And then, of course, last but not least, Pastor Deborah, my wife, has a unique perspective. She's got a bird's eye view of relationships, having been married to me for 34 years, pastoring together for 25 years. She has seen a lot, and she's the mother of these two children here. So then yours truly will kind of moderate, and at the end, I'll share a word to kind of bring it all together and give us some perspective so we can be reconciled one to another. So the first question um, Lexus is going to address, but before I give that question, here's a simple, simple, basic definition of reconciliation. Again, we've already said it, but I want to make sure it's clear. Reconciliation is the restoring of right relationships First, between God and people, and then secondarily, between people and people. That's what reconciliation is. It's restoring right relationships. Now, I, I want to say something, but I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. But let me say this in this way. Uh, hopefully, we'll get to it at the end. If not, we'll pick it up the next time. One of the things I think we need to be reminded of as believers is that sometimes a right relationship is I'm not in relationship with you. The way you want me to be in relationship with you. Oh, I see y'all quickening out there. So let me ask the first question and then Lexus will answer and then Cameron and Vicky and we can interject and mix it up and just kind of have a somewhat of an informal, that's why we're sitting like this, an informal type conversation. So here's the first question. Why are people separating and dividing over common everyday issues? Or simply stated, why do people need reconciliation? Young Lexus. So whatever makes their life easier, um, whatever makes them happy is what, you know, people are going around saying, like, I, I just want to be happy. I want to live my best life. But they're not thinking about the other people around them. So um, it's going to be harder if you want to get along with somebody and they don't want you to have your best life. They want them to have their best life. So you're going to obviously clash and then. Maybe you won't be friends anymore, associates, whatever it is. People don't want to compromise and get along with other people because it's not about them. That's, that's excellent. That is excellent. I'm going to piggyback. Stop it. My wife thinks I'm going to preach. Um, but what you said is so key. People don't want to compromise. 
I'm about to preach. Um, in 2 Corinthians, our foundation of Scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, at the end, the Bible says that Jesus, uh, verse 20, says that Jesus became sin. Jesus had to become something other than what he was in order for us to be reconciled to Christ. The reason why we don't have reconciliation is because people don't want to change. You cannot have reconciliation without there being an exchange, without there being a sacrifice. And Jesus was our sacrifice so that we can have the ministry of reconciliation. So people don't want to be wrong. People don't want to change. People don't want to change their views on things. And then the reason why so many folks are divided, even saints, is because everybody has their own definition of what right is. And as saints of God, we should have one definition, which is the word. I don't have my Bible. The word of God should be our foundation and our standard by which we live. And when we don't live by the word, then everybody can do whatever they want. And this is why we need reconciliation. point, well, going along with that point, is that the Bible said, well, Paul was writing letters saying how he was praying for everyone else, and he wants to encourage people in their walk with faith, and how he was encouraged by their walk in faith, and people, some people, I don't want to say everybody, aren't living out their walk in faith, so we're not encouraging other people anyways. So they're looking at our lives and they're like, well, I don't even want to be in your shoes. I don't want to know your God because I don't see anything coming from you. So that is also another reason why people aren't being encouraged by us in our walks of lives because we look defeated a lot of the times. And they're just like, well, if it ain't working for you, it ain't gonna work for me. (laughs) Exactly. So uh, yeah, they just want to be around people who think like them. If you don't think like me, I'm going to go find my people who think like me because they're going to tell me I'm right all the time. Yep. And right. you're not being challenged. You're not going to be able to grow in that because you're just going to stay the same because everybody else thinks like you. Yep. People want to be validated. They want their feelings to be validated because they've been hurt. So they find people to validate those feelings. I mean, um, reconciliation is, is, is really, really tough. It's difficult. You know, the Bible says a wise woman will build her house. And in building, you have to have a foundation. You have to have a sure foundation, a strong foundation, a loving foundation, a healing foundation. You have to have um, room for people to come in because I think, you know, for me, forgiveness is not the same thing as reconciliation. I can... Um, say that I'm sorry all day long, but I'm going to watch how you, um, how you live in front of me. I'm going to watch your deeds, your ways, and your actions. Did you really, really apologize, or were you just saying something? So um, how, do we, how do we really reconcile our differences? What, what makes us... Um, what is our makeup? How did we grow up? There was something that happened um, to me when I was a young teenager. It was very, very devastating. And believe you me, I was on, not me personally, but it was acted out on the, um, 
um, women's network. That's how devastating it was. It, and it's definitely a true story because it happened to me, not only me, but other women. And I felt in my own home, you didn't protect me. I, that's how I felt. I felt like, you know, I wasn't protected by my family, my mom, you know, where were you? you? You let this happen to me. And then I became angry and I built up walls and I set out, I, I was just very, very angry for a long, long time until I ran into God with all of the questions and the hatred that I had in my heart and the bitterness that had set in and had locked in. And I was spewing out my bitterness on other people, not knowing because I thought I was being nice, but I wasn't being nice. I was being nice, nasty. And I would do um, what I thought I could do to make sure that I, would, I wouldn't be in that place or that position again to get hurt or to get wounded or to be damaged all over again. I really, really wanted to heal. And my mama, she said, um, she said, you just keep, baby, just keep on living, keep on living. Mama, didn't, mama doing the best she can. She doing all she know how to do. Because at that time, it was just her and my brother and I. And she said, you're going to find out what I already know. And so when you keep living, now I have children. I have children now. And there are some things that happened to my children that I wished I could have protected them from. The hurts, the pains, the, the, the rejection, them being lied on and lied to, them being wounded. Um, how do I reconcile that within myself. Now I understand what my mama was talking about. Because we think we big and bad when we young and dumb. But when it comes time for you to face what others have already faced, and you are walking in that, in the, the long, what was it, the long green mile? The green mile. Until you walk in another man's shoes, what does reconciliation, what, what is the bedrock or the foundation that you build upon? Is it the love of God? Is it the wisdom of God? Is it his knowledge? Or is it from the streets? Or is it from the magazines? Or is it from Oprah? Um, is it from the young people? Is it from social media? Are you learning what you're learning from TikTok? Are you learning what you're learning from Twitter or Snapchat or Facebook? You know, the, those aren't teachers. The wisdom comes from the word of God, and that should be our foundation. That's good, Pastor. It seems like you're already in the second question, so I'm going to go right to it because you hit some very, very important points. So here's the second question. Why is it, and again, you've already addressed it, but Repetition is the motor of learning. Sometimes we got to hear things more than twice for it to stick. So here's the second question. Why is it difficult to get people to reconcile? Why is it so hard to get people to come back together once they've been separated? Lexis. Um, I have a couple points on this. So my first point is... Preach. <laughs> owning up to their part. 
in said separation. So people always want to say, you did this to me, and what did I do to you? You gotta think about that because it's not always a one-way street. Sometimes things happen both ways and that can cause rifts in relationships and no one wants to look self-reflect. You know, like, did I actually hurt this person that I love? What can I do to fix that? Um, they don't allow God to fight the battles for them. So just thinking about <laughs> self, you're not going to God first. Like, what should I do? He's not your first, you know, reaction. Let me go to him first. It's what I'm going to do and then go ask God to repair and fix it. And that's shown that it doesn't work. So just go to him in the first place. And then love is what we were talking about earlier. Is the love strong enough between you and that other person that you're willing to work on it? Is that um, problem bigger than your relationship? Do you just not care about the relationship anymore just because something happened? Or is the love stronger where you're going to be like, you know what? Yes, this happened, but let's work on this because I do love you. Um, it's like Cam said, going back to what Jesus died on the cross for us, we were still sinners. Yep. He didn't make us, we, he wasn't like, oh, you have to be perfect first and then I'm going to go down the cross. <laughs> he was like, no, I'm going to do this because it's what my father sent me to do. So if the person isn't even doing the self-work to be better, are you willing to still be in relationship and reconcile with that person just for your own self? Or is it just what it is what it is? Something to think about. <laughs> so I'll, I'll go while she gathers her thought. I believe it's difficult for people to reconcile and come together after there's been a separation or a fight is a number of things. Number one, people don't want to do the work. Reconciliation in the, in the beginning of the word is recon, which means to gather information. Those of you that are battle fighters, been in the military, you know, I gotta go get some, re I gotta go gather some information. Let me go get the information. Yep. Not my feelings, yep. because my feelings have a way of clouding the information that I gather. Right. When I don't operate out of the spirit, when I operate out of my flesh and my feelings, you might cuss and get mad. Let's be real. Right? right? A lot of times, cussing happens first before prayer. <laughs> when you stub your toe, you don't immediately speak in tongues. Some because, of us do. <laughs> so, yeah, right. Those of us, you know, that are, you know, baptized several times. But... But your initial reaction, sometimes that knee-jerk reaction, isn't to pray. It's to, well, I need to tell you a piece of my mind because this is how I feel right now. The second thing is, people aren't willing to die. What do you mean, Cam? I have a long life. People aren't willing to die. I'm going back to Jesus. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 18. Jesus became sin, so we might become the righteousness of God. Secondly, in Luke chapter, Luke chapter 22, verse 42, we all know this, says, Jesus is saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Jesus had to die. 
A lot of us, we have to die to ourselves, to our emotions, to our feelings, to the pain. We have to let that die so that reconciliation can happen. And if we aren't willing to die to ourselves and say, like Lexi said, you know what? I'm reacting on what you did to me based on what I did to you first. But I think, I'm sorry, I think sometimes we don't even know ourselves. We don't know ourselves, so um, we haven't reconciled within. So we don't know. It's like, okay, so-and-so, they didn't know what happened to me. They didn't know, and they just said something, or they did something, or they moved in a certain direction, and then you thought that you were trying to hurt me, and that's not. So how do we resolve, resolve that? Well, I was gonna say, people don't like to be uncomfortable and relationships are mirrors. If I've learned anything being married to you is that you show me what's in me that I don't like about myself without saying anything. Like I get convicted just because I see the things that I'm doing wrong when you're hurt by something that I do. Wow. So if people aren't willing to deal with the things that trigger them, if they're not willing to deal with the things that have hurt them in the past, they're just gonna keep offloading that into every relationship. And like you said, you have to, re have to reconcile with yourself first, with God. You have to get your relationship right with God first and understand that Jesus died for us, so you have to die for other people, because we have to, it's the same thing. Like marriage is a representation of what Jesus did for the church. We're the bride of Christ, so marriage is a replication of that. So I have to be willing to die in our relationship in order for us to be reconciled together. And I do the same thing with other people to have healthy relationships with them. Yeah, so as I'm hearing this, again, when you don't know who you are as an individual, you won't know what someone does or can do can hurt you until they do it and then they hurt you. If you don't go to God, you'll lash out at that person because of hurt. That's just human nature. So being, being reconciled to God then is us allowing God to reveal who he is to us and him showing us who we really are as opposed to what the world says we are. Because if we respond to each other based on the way the world says, this is exactly why we have, we, and I'm gonna say this in the broadest and general sense of, 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 of grace and truth, that's why we have Black Lives Matter. That's why we have law enforcement. Uh, that's why there's a war going on between uh, Ukraine and, 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 and Russia. Uh, not trying to shift it up too much, but that's why you got actors slapping each other. Mm because people don't know what's going to hurt them and then that reaction manifests. Now you've hurt somebody else. Now there's a need for reconciliation. And so we have to be ever more sensitive today because again, there's a real devil that does not want us to come together and glorify God. So it's easier today than ever, I believe, for for irreconc and I don't want to go there yet, for people to separate and divide. Mm. I, mean, I mean, and again, I'm not trying to create any controversy for you or anyone watching or anyone here, 
this is perfectly fine. But again, it's another point that needs to be, I believe, said to help you. You've got people in here, bless your hearts, we thank you for being here, that you have a mask on. Then we have others that don't. Don't let that be something to separate you. Why would we need reconciliation over mask wearing? It's just another tactic of the enemy to cause us to feel some kind of way about somebody else that's doing something else other than what we're doing. And so what the enemy is doing, it's going on. Some of you have heard this before. What is taking place right now all over the world is separation anxiety. Separation anxiety is a, typically it's a normal process people go through in life. Uh, For example, when your child first leaves home and goes to school, they experience separation anxiety. All I know is mama, daddy, house, the dog, the toys. Now I'm being thrust into a new environment. I'm being separated from what I'm used to and it creates anxiety, but that's normal. If you don't know how to handle what's normal, you'll think it's abnormal. Uh, Some children during that separation uh, process get mad at their parents. Why are you leaving me here? Do you hate? No, this is for your good. But because they don't know themselves, they're taking something that's meant to be good and they're taking it poorly or badly. Separation anxiety becomes a problem when people, and we've talked about it, everyone except me, but I'm going to piggyback, as I said, on this word. Separation anxiety can become dangerously lethal when we allow feelings of anger to remain a part of the process. Now, if any of you are still angry that your parents took you to first grade, I want to pray for you right now. The point being, no one should still be angry that your parents took you to school because you grew out of it. You grew to a place where you understood, oh, this is normal. And so people separate within families and and, and, and every other institution when they don't understand that what's happening to you is normal. Pastor Cam would preach right now because Jesus, Paul said that God never puts more on us than we're able to bear. It's amazing how the enemy can trick many believers into thinking what you're going through is abnormal. You're the only one going through that. So that's why you're so hard to deal with because you're the only one going through it. So you don't understand that that separation anxiety has produced an anger in you that you need to be free from because there's nothing on earth that a person can go through that somebody else hasn't already gone through. As we were, you were going through this, I was even thinking back to the the second question, even as we talk about separation anxiety, folks have a hard time with reconciliation because things that they were separated from, they had a bad taste of Mm. so maybe and you know we we're talking about reconciliation we're trying to trying to bring people back together with one another bring people back to the church have healthy relationships in all aspects of their lives and some people have had unhealthy relationships in church and with the church 
And so we have to ensure that we are that we are image bearers. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We have to carry ourselves as image bearers and not just churchgoers. Because when we're image bearers, we, it's, it goes back to what you said. We, I'm not living for just me. Even though I have to live according to the plan and purpose that God has for my life, when, when I leave the church building, I have to live in a way that Matthew says, let my light so shine before men that they may see my good works and glorify my God in heaven. I will create a healthy relationship with people when they see, oh, he's not just the church guy. He's, he's really living according to the word of God, and he's literally an image bearer of God. Let's put some meat on that. Let's just go, let's go a little bit raw. I know this is in our living room, but, but when you talked about being an image bearer when you leave the church, okay, so basically what you're saying is when you are a part of church or a family or a community, People need to know who you really are. They need to know that, oh, he sing good, but I got to keep him away from my daughters. Yeah. Oh, he can <laughs> preach good, but I got to keep him away from my boys. Ooh. Ooh. Oh. Oh. Uh-oh. Yeah, because, again, if we don't know who we are through Christ and live it out, People won't know how to respond and react to us when we do things. Yep. Here's another one. There's a real devil, but there's a real God, and God is the devil's boss. Yes, he is. There are certain things that should never, never be mentioned after the name of a believer. Because that keeps people from having to be reconciled. Let me, let, okay, let's go. Okay, yep. okay, okay, okay. All right, all right. I'll use us, even though this is not our testimony. I don't want to get any. I'm going to use us. I'll use me because I ain't going to get mad at me. Um, I should be, and I am, acutely aware of something I could do intentionally to cause you to need you and I to be reconciled. I should stay away from everything I could possibly do to need to be reconciled to you. You should do everything you possibly can to keep from being reconciled to another believer. You shouldn't steal from them. You shouldn't talk to their husband or their wife. You shouldn't commit fornication. You shouldn't get drunk and go by the house and urinate in their front yard. You, you shouldn't do anything. You need to be mindful. We need to be mindful of the things that we could do to create a situation where reconciliation is necessary because it's so hard. Yes, 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 this is so good. And this is what's happening to a lot of my generation is they're deconstructing their faith because they need to be reconciled to Christ. They're deconstructing their faith and they're deconstructing church, but the issue is not Jesus. It's the people that profess Jesus, but don't live like Jesus would live. And so this is why we have hundreds and thousands and sometimes millions of young people that don't want anything to do with church because we mess it up. 
I've given this example years ago. I just shared it recently with my family. Some of you will remember this. This is years and I don't know how many years ago. Here's, here's the example. Okay, imagine with me, I am Elon Musk or Jeff Bezos or whomever. I've got buku, buku money and I'm gonna take everybody on an all expenses paid trip to Hawaii. Oh man, especially those of us in the Midwest, it's cold, man, I could see sun and sand. Man, everything's paid for, my meals, oh my God. Get that image in your head, I wanna go, I'm ready to go now, just tell me when to show up at the airport. Okay, beautiful image, beautiful image of Hawaii, beautiful image of yourself being there, man. But then again, here's the second half of this deal. What if I told you on the plane would be Jeffrey Dahmer, Idi Amin, Saddam Hussein, all the greatest, latest murderers of the last decade? All of a sudden now it don't seem so good going to Hawaii. Why? Because of who you got to go with. Yep. See, we're all on our way to heaven. The question is, do I want to go with you? How hard are you making it oh, to get to this place we all want to go? To? How hard are you making the journey by how you live? If we constantly keep hurting each other, needing forgiveness, we can't minister to the, to the world because we got to keep ministering to each other all the time. Well, that's, that's really what it is. It's like the people in the world, they feel like y'all look just like us. So what's the point of me going to church? Y'all ain't no better. And there's a lot of people, PKs included, who are hurt because of what they saw growing up. They had bad theology, bad examples. Their parents didn't stay together. Nobody in the church stayed together. So it's not appealing to them. So they go wherever it looks appealing. And the world seems to be happy. They doing whatever they want to do. So I saw in light of the, the events that took place Sunday night oh boy. Oh boy. at the event. Okay. I saw, and, and I was, it was actually like I was taken aback because I was, it was almost heartbreaking that there were rappers, entertainers, athletes. Uh, I mean, everybody in the world is talking about this. Y'all know what it is. And people are under the comments saying, man, I guess marriage ain't all that. And they're looking at their peers in the industry. And I'm like, they should be looking to us. We should be the example. But we're not. And so it's, it's like, God, how, how do we get to a place where the earth is literally groaning for yes. the true manifestation of the sons of God? We are the children of God. We are image bearers. And I'm going to do, like we talked about often, I'm going to do everything I possibly can to foster and create an environment of peace. Yes. If I know you've had a rough day of work or meetings, I'm, I'm going to lace my words with grace times 10. I'm going to scrub the stove. I mean, I'm... I'm going to do what if I see when you walk in 
that you don't look so good. And I say, how you doing? And you say, oh, I'm blessed and highly favored. But I know you're lying. I'm going to try to create an atmosphere where I can pray for you and see what's really going on. Because here we go. Just like in, in a marriage, if, if one person is hurting or going through something, they're both hurting. The Bible says that we are many members, one body. If, all, if the arms and the legs of the church are broken, Thank you. we're broken. <laughs> and we need healing and deliverance and physical therapy and training and all these other things that we have to do. We have to do the work in order to get back healthy. And this is what we're trying to do. Do the work so we can get back healthy. Amen. Pastor, go ahead, and I'm going to wrap it up. Oh, okay. I was just going to say, you know what? Forgiveness doesn't look the same to everybody. I think that, you know, I got an idea of what forgiveness looks like, and this is what it looks like, but you haven't walked in my shoes, so you really don't know what it looks like. It's like, okay, forgiveness was a weekend thing. You only apologized on the weekends, but what did you apologize for? And I think that those are some of the foundational problems that we have because we, can't, we, we cannot reconcile because we haven't moved from forgiveness. We just say it to appease, but your actions don't follow up or don't line up with what you've said. So true reconciliation isn't going to happen until both parties or all parties hear one another. That's what's going on right now with Russia and Ukraine. They're not hearing. They say that they want peace, but how do you arrive or how do you get to peace? And, and one of the things, too, I'll talk about a little bit later, uh, maybe at the next, maybe today, maybe at the next session, is another uh, definition of reconciliation. Uh, reconciliation is also an accounting term. Uh, the simplest way to say it is it's balancing the books. And so that's what we've been talking about. You, there can't be forgiveness if you don't want to talk about what you did to make me, to hurt me. We got to balance the books. And then I need to tell you what maybe caused me to react that way that you got hurt. We got to talk about the real. Balance the books. We can't just smooth it over and buy, you know, some wine and champagne and turn on Barry White. Some of y'all don't know who Barry White is. But, but we have to balance the books. You got to say what really something is in order to begin to arrive at reconciliation. Because everyone that's fairly emotionally healthy should know the triggers. What is it that hurts you? If you don't know what hurts you, you can't be mad at your spouse when they hurt you. Because you haven't told them because you don't know. Or it's so painful you can't even talk about it. They're still not going to know. So, so again, back to this word that we're going to wrap it up with is separation anxiety that continues to happen that produces anger. I'm angry because we're not 
one on this. We're not seeing the same thing on this. This keeps happening in our home, in our community, in the church. I, we're not seeing this. You're not seeing what I'm seeing. I'm not seeing what you're seeing. Why can't we see it? Again, the Bible says the little G God of this world blinds the minds of people. Sometimes it's not that person. It's the enemy blinding them from seeing what it is that you did that creates the the challenge for recon reconciliation to keep happening. Listen to this. There was a poll get done in 2019, and it says Americans say they are angrier now than they were a generation ago. 84% of people surveyed said Americans are angrier today compared to a generation ago, according to the latest NPR IBM Watson Health Poll. People are angrier today than they were a generation ago. Think about that in terms of raising children. You got children you're raising in an angry household. It's an angry environment in your house, but you love the Lord. I know you do. You sing, you pray, you dance. We thank God for you, but you speak in tongue. But your, your environment at home is an angry environment. It goes on to say, uh, Dr. Uh, Anil Jantz, vice president and chief health information officer at IBM Watson Health, says, I think anger is a health risk. So when we don't reconcile and we stay hurt, it impacts our physical body. It impacts our health. Jesus said, just having a bad attitude towards a brother or sister is a serious matter in the kingdom. Just having a bad attitude. Jesus said, don't call your brother a fool or worthless. He said, You'll be, you, you, you're subject to be judged. Some of you be subject to hellfire. Just having a bad attitude. The poll says 29% of people said they were often angry when checking the news. Another 42% said the news sometimes made them angry. So if there's going to be reconciliation, we need to know ourselves and you need to know what makes us angry. Why are you so mad? You weren't like this 20 minutes ago. I just hung the phone up from you. Maybe you listened to some news you shouldn't have listened to. Maybe you answered a call or a text or, or some sort that you should not have responded to. You should have let that in your ear gate or your eye or both eye and ear gate. That comes up to 71% of people are negatively impacted by the news they ingest. Wow. Jesus says two different things. Be careful what you hear and then be careful how you hear. Yes. Let me say this. One of the things as a pastor that I see increasingly difficult when ministering to the saints, having conversations with people, is they don't hear right. Yep. Uh, uh, you know, we're, 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 we're pretty much at 25 years pastoring. So I've had 25 years of people telling me something I preached that I didn't say. And, and for, for years, I just, you know, smiled, because, you know, just, you know, I thought that's, you know, I just, okay, you know. But now I'm like, no, I didn't say that. 
I'm but, just being real. Go ahead, Pastor. But, I'm, I didn't say that. Bishop, you're, you're a wordsmith. You used to get on me. I mean, you still do get on me a lot, or used to a lot about, no, that don't mean that. And so when you're talking to a wordsmith, when you're talking to someone that know what words really do mean, or if they go and look it up, they're going to challenge you. And we need to know <laughs> the words we're saying, what they mean, especially when we talk to people we love. Why you say that? Oh, I, I thought... I, Oh, I didn't mean that. Well, well, then why are you saying that? <laughs> my, my, my mother, my dearly departed mother, she, she, she helped me, you know, growing up. And then when I started preaching back, we used to do cassettes. And uh, I, I had sent her some cassettes and I got home. We went home and I was all excited. I was like, you mean, did you listen to that one message, mom? She just sitting there. She said, mm-hmm. I said, oh, here it comes. She said, she said, <laughs> she said Pastor Craig, go ahead. She said, she said. Mm-hmm. She said, I didn't teach you to talk like that, this and that and duh. Uh-uh, I don't want to hear that. Some people don't want to hear that. I don't understand what this and that. And be, be more Pacific. That's on the West Coast. You mean specific. <laughs> now, of course, I don't say every word correct. And sometimes, I, you know, I come up from the streets and I'll throw a word out there. But, but my point in this is if what people say can make you angry, and cause people to break fellowship and relationships to be strained, I think we need to do a better job at knowing how to communicate to one another. Yes, absolutely. And then we need to know that, oh, I can't listen to this news feed or this comedian because I don't like how they say what they say and it bothers me every time. Why are you constantly listening to people that make you upset? Why are you watching movies that make your blood pressure go up all the time? Why, why do we do that? Because you don't understand it's creating challenges in relationships that you have. But the Bible is good news. Anger causes people to say and do things they wouldn't normally say and do. Yep. How many has ever gotten mad and wish you hadn't got that mad? Because you said some stuff out of your sanctified mouth. And so we have to be careful what we say particularly now during this time of pandemic because people are way more sensitive than ever. And people will say things uh, to get a rile out of you or to see where you stand. And we have to be careful enough not to get upset about it and stand up in a tuxedo. So let's keep going. (laughs) Anger unchecked leads to separation in families marriages and communities in the nation, in the world. We're seeing it everywhere. We're seeing it everywhere. Now, the first, okay, the, a bad temper and a bad tongue leads to anger, violence, and murder. Write that down, write that down. A bad temper and a bad tongue leads to anger, violence, and murder. And nothing is harder to reconcile then when you murder a person physically, you destroy their reputation because you carried on some foolishness and said some things that you heard that you couldn't verify. Those things damage relationships, communities, and institutions like nothing else. Be careful what you repeat that you can't verify. So the first step to reconciliation is recognizing what we're mad about. Do you know at this moment, some things 
that you're mad about that's going on in the world, going on in your community, going on in you, going on in your church? Do you know? See, because what the wrong is, is the thing that needs our attention. Because that's what needs to be righted. If you don't know what's wrong, how can you fix it? If you don't know what's wrong, how can you be reconciled? And please don't be one of these people. Again, by the grace of God, we've been pastoring 25 years. This, this, you know, this is one of my pet peeves as a pastor, counselor, all of that. If, if you're going to sit down and, and, and have counseling about an issue you're having, don't talk about everything else but that issue. Because you're making me think you really don't know that's your problem. And don't do that with each other. When someone says, I have a problem, you did this and the other, don't bring up Taco Tuesday. <laughs> that creates more anger and makes it harder to reconcile because you won't be real. And if you didn't know it, listen to them and maybe you'll discover, wow, I didn't really know. That's what Vicky and Cameron, I didn't really know that that was doing that to you. I just, I used to do that to my brothers all the time. Well, I ain't your brother. Reconciliation, as I said, is also an accounting term, again, which means balancing the books. Balancing the books. You got to balance things out by listening to the person that's been offended. And the person that's been offended needs to also be able to accept your apology. So reconciliation can begin. Romans 13.8 says, Oh, no man anything but to love them. If, if, if I need, if, 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 if a season goes by, we all live through seasons where, okay, you find yourself apologizing more than you like, that's what you owe that person. You owe them an apology. You heard that term before, that phrase, I owe you an apology. That, that means that person is going to be, have a deficit until you apologize. Yeah. They're going to have a deficit until you apologize. So, Paul, by inspiration of the Holy Ghost, says, don't owe anybody any apologies. Just owe people love. If I hurt you, I'm going to quick to say I'm sorry so I can quickly give you love. This is how reconciliation begins. Ephesians 4, 16. The church is the body of Christ. We are fitly joined together. We are held together by love. When we share love with one another, it keeps us connected. We have to share love with each other. So if we share more love with each other, then apologies will be stronger. If in a relationship between a husband and wife or fiance, you got to share more love if you're going to keep that relationship strong, growing, and budding. Colossians 2.19 says, the love we share with each other nourishes us. If we're going to be a nourishing, healthy family, church, community, school, nation, we have to share more love. 
Love builds us up. Love knits us together. If we are separated or divided, the love stops. The love stops. We can't be reconciled because love is not being shared. Truth is not being shared. Love flowing from each other produces the unity required for the glory of God to manifest. If you want the glory in your marriage, in your business, and wherever it may be, there needs to be unity there. There needs to be reconciliation there because that unity produces strength. Where there's the lack of love, strength is drained. Come on now, if you've been in a bad relationship, you just drain. You just drain. So, as we are reconciled to one another, we get reconnected to one another. We are reunite, we're reunited with one another because God demands that we be united with each other if we're going to be united with him. I want to end with this, and if there's any other comments that any on the panel want to make, we can, we can do that. Um, I said this in the beginning, that part of understanding reconciliation is realizing that there are some relationships you shouldn't be in. Uh, this is what protects people from abuse. Oh man, I felt something go through me right there. I felt something go through me right there. Because, because, because you don't know yourself, because you don't really know God's love for you, the proof of that is when you stay in an abusive relationship. When you stay in an abusive relationship because you think you have to stay reconciled to this person and all they do is abuse you, it, it means you don't know God like you need to and you don't know yourself like you need to, which means you don't know the love he has for you because God is not going to leave you in an abusive relationship and say, just stay in there. It's my will. Just stay in there. Yeah, God wants us to stay together, but there are some relationships God does not want us in, and neither does he want us to remain in. And it's important that you understand that. Here's the scripture. But before I give you the scripture, the term unreconcilable means to be irreconcilable. Now, I'm not starting to play on words. Something that's unreconcilable cannot be reconciled, so it's automatically irre irreconcilable. There are already are relationships that are irreconcilable because there's no room for reconciliation. Um, so, it's the inability to agree on most things or important things. Getting in a relationship with someone that you cannot, both of you, cannot agree <clears throat> on most things or on important things, you need to stop right there and wonder. And, well, you don't even really need to wonder. You need to stop right there and say, you may not be my husband. You probably ain't my wife. Because most of the important things, we don't agree on. Yep. Absolutely. Why would you live Come on. the rest of your life with somebody that you knew from the beginning, from the start, there's some things we don't agree on, and I ain't changing. I, this, this, this is a, this is, this is, mm -mm. this is a deal breaker. I don't care how cute she is. I don't care how fine he is. 
okay, how lonely you be, some things that are unreconcilable means you cannot reconcile with this person. You should not be in a relationship with that person. Here's the scripture for that. 2 Corinthians 6, 14, the apostle Paul says, and I love this translation, stop forming inappropriate relationships with unbelievers. Why are you getting in a relationship with someone when you know it's going to cause hurt and pain and there's, no gonna, there's not going to be any reconcilable position to have in it? Why date somebody that don't love God and you say you love God? On and on and on. You're putting yourself in a position to be hurt and become angry and you're going to take your anger out on other people around you that love you. You mad at folk because they told you you shouldn't have got married to her. And you're the one that did it. And the Bible told you not to have an inappropriate relationship with unbelievers. Paul goes on to say, can right and wrong be partners? So you got to know yourself. Are you really righteous? Are they really righteous? Because right and wrong can't live together. Is any kids in it? I don't care how good the sex is. Right and wrong gonna eventually break up. Can light have anything in common with darkness? You got all this Jesus in you you've been testifying about. So those are relationships, my brothers and sisters, that should not even start out being relationships because they're unreconcilable and irreconcilable you ain't gonna never make them work and that's your feelings telling you I'm gonna give him one more time I'm gonna give her one more chance it ain't gonna work all right I'm done for now I think we'll finish and, and, and if we'll address some other things any Lexus charity what would you say after hearing this to your generation? What would, how would you summarize what I said to them in a way they can hear it because maybe I'm too old how I said it? No, what you said was young. It was young. Yeah, what you said. Yeah, what you said. Yeah, what you said. Yeah, what you said. Yeah, what if you want to reconcile the relationship and you prayed about it and God told you to reconcile the relationship, then go on ahead and do it. I would say to my generation, be humble enough to know that you don't know everything. Mm and that there are people that are older than you that, like mom was saying, they did the best they could with what they had to try to give to you, and it may not have been presented in a healthy way, but there are people who are trying to represent to you righteous living, righteousness, 
healthy relationships and not just you know platonic but just healthy relationships as a whole there are people that are trying to foster healthy relationships and surround yourself with those kinds of people if you want to have a healthy relationship in your life you don't know it all your your parents your your grandma whoever it may have caused the hurt that you have in your heart towards the church or towards relationships maybe they were doing the best that they could and so have some grace and really, really, really seek God for yourself so that you can be reconciled to his bride, which is the church. That, that looks glorious. And um, she doesn't have any spots, wrinkles, or any such like. So um, um, I would say to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength. That's what we owe God and allow him to lead God and to direct us into all truth, the truth that's in the world, the truth that's in our homes, the truth that's with our children, the truth that's in our um, marriages, the truth that's on our jobs. I mean, on our jobs, we need to be speaking the truth and living the truth, letting them see what the light of the glorious gospel really looks like. I mean, and I'm sure you guys heard this story before because I've told it before, on my job, and Elder Vernon is here, they used to call me the church lady. But there was this gentleman who was stealing from them. I worked for NutraSuite. There was a gentleman that was stealing from them in um, the sales and marketing department. He was getting, the checks would come in and he would steal them. And they said they wanted somebody in that position that had integrity. They came and pulled me from my position that I was working in and put me in that position and gave me their signature plates, the president and the CFO, because they can trust you. So you don't have to be afraid to be your godly self that's fearfully and wondrously made in his image and after his likeness. You don't have to be afraid to be a child of God on the job. You don't have to be afraid, even if your husband once saved, when both of y'all once saved and you got married, win him over with your godly conversation and don't compromise. You don't have to compromise. If God is on your side, he will make every crooked way straight. So don't live in fear. Walk in the peace of God. Hey, man, that was good. Listen, the last thing I want to say, she mentioned the word. Listen, 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 saints and friends. In order for us to reconcile with God and reconcile others to God and us with one another, we must know the things we cannot compromise on. We must stand firm. This is what all of us have been saying as followers of Christ we cannot compromise compromise is adjusting yourself or changing your position in order to join someone else's cause there's only one cause we have been called into it's the cause of Christ and kingdom building and we must not compromise our lives at the jeopardy and the risk of hurting other kingdom believers. 
that we have to constantly be reconciled. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Come before the church, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. At some point in time, we need to be reconcilers and not people that always need reconciliation. Amen. Well, thank you for joining us. I also want to thank you in advance for clicking on the link to support our ministry. Your giving is what moves ministry forward and ministry must move forward. You can also visit us online at cffczion.org for more information. If you were blessed by this word, please subscribe and share this podcast with your friends and family. God bless you.